I'm 59 and people call me middle-aged. How many 118-year-old men do you know? Barry Cryer. Welcome to Solving the Financial Puzzle, where we seek to unravel the mysteries of personal finance. Join us as we help you put together the pieces of your own financial puzzle. This is Solving the Financial Puzzle with certified financial planner, Dan Caprell. Welcome to another edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast. I am your host, Dan Capril, where each and every week we attempt to take that which many people believe is complicated, the world of personal finance, we turn it on its head and show you that no, solving this problem really isn't all that complicated. If you follow some very simple approaches, probably the best one is don't try to predict the future then you will find planning for your financial future is not nearly as bad. You also have to understand that in many cases, we are our own worst enemy. That's right. Our own survival mechanism tends to get in the way. And today's episode, when we talk about survival mechanisms, is all going to be about the fact that we're not young forever. And chances are, if you're listening to this show, well, you may be young at heart, you're probably not young on the calendar. That's okay. There's always somebody older than you, and that's life. That's the way that goes. Many people have said it beats the alternative. The question here is, how do we plan for that? The funny thing is that what you perceive as planning for the end of life will change as time goes on. And you may have felt at some point that you had all your affairs together, and in reality, you probably don't. So we're going to get into that a lot on today's Puzzle of the Week. As I try to point out each and every week, the purpose of this show is educational. It is not to give you personal advice. It may sound like it, but understand I do not know who you are. So before you take the recommendation of anything you should hear, make sure you check it out. Talk to your advisor. If you would like for me to be your advisor or you just want to have that discussion, feel free to reach out. 513-563-7526 is my number. Be happy to schedule a 15-minute phone call and we can discuss it. Otherwise, please just remember that this is educational and you need to make sure that's appropriate for you before you proceed. So we all know that life is finite. The Grim Reaper is undefeated. And we all know that at some point, we will die. It's the reality of life. Of course, very few of us have any idea how that's going to happen, and we need to be prepared for that. Now, if you're younger and you have small children, chances are, well, hopefully, I should say, maybe chances aren't, but hopefully you've taken the time to develop some type of an estate plan that makes it very clear that should you and or your spouse die, that your minor aged children will be taken care of. You indicate who takes care of whom. And you've also designated powers of attorney to people who can act in your behalf. Uh, Generally, there's two types of powers of attorney. One is for financial matters. And the other one gets to issues of healthcare. We've all seen very, very sad examples in the press where because someone didn't do this, that the court ultimately decided the fate of somebody, and that that should never be the case. Now, as you get older, you tend to take your financial planning a little bit more seriously. Uh, If you're in your 50s, for example, maybe your, your kids have all left the home, and you now have some real assets. 
So you don't have to worry about guardianship anymore. Your kids are all grown up. Your estate plan is largely about assets and your health care. So when it comes to assets, you know, who gets what? How do we want to divide those things? Hopefully that's an easy decision for you. But if it's not, please understand that your children probably all have different capabilities when it comes to money. And I always recommend that people think long and hard about how they want to leave those assets because I don't think a, well, I'll just split everything down the middle or in thirds or in fourth, depending on how many kids you have. I've never really been a proponent of that strategy. If any of your children have, let's just say, issues as it relates to matters of personal finance. But very often people will take the time in their 50s, they get that done and now they think, okay, it's good. Maybe I have a living trust, maybe I've got transfer on death designations, whatever the case might be. But unfortunately, there's one area that tends to get ignored and it doesn't really crop up as an issue until we get well into our late 70s, early 80s, even early 90s. And that's this issue of power of attorney. So it's natural to name your spouse, if you're married, as the person having the the power of attorney so that should you be incapable of making decisions, incapable of uh, signing your name for checks or to pay bills, as well as making healthcare decisions, then it's only natural that you would want to designate somebody and usually we would pick our spouse. The problem is, is sometimes we outlive our spouse or sometimes as we get older, our spouse is no longer the right person for that job. I'm sure you can think of those situations. So what should we do? Well, it's highly important then that you update your estate plan once again and pick somebody else. Now, hopefully there is somebody else you can pick. If you have children, you know, that is the logical choice is you pick one of your children that you feel can best play that role. Otherwise, again, you're you're kind of rolling the dice a little bit. You're kind of putting the decision-making in the hands of other people. So I can't emphasize enough how important that power of attorney is. Its role changes over time, but it just shows why good estate planning is not something you should just stick in the drawer. Another area where we have to be cognizant of as we get older is this issue of long-term care. I talk about it all the time that you need to have a long-term care plan, a plan that will ultimately pay for the types of health care expenses that Medicare, Medicaid, traditional health insurance do not pay. So should you need to have a care worker come to your home to live, or if you needed to go to a nursing home, generally speaking, that type of care is not covered. And here in Ohio, for example, it's not unusual that that can cost anywhere from 70 to $100,000 a year. Now, if it's if you're the only one, it's your money, and if you don't mind not leaving money to anybody else, that's fine. You can spend it all on that, and when you don't have any money left, then you would be eligible for Medicaid. But until that point in time, it's all going to be on you. So if you have a healthy spouse and you become ill, well, who's going to pick up that cost? Well, it's important that that issue be addressed. So limited power of attorney, the issue of um, long-term care, extremely, extremely important. The last thing I want to point out to you is this idea that we're going to distribute our assets evenly, as I said before, may not be the most appropriate way to go. Now, there's a number of reasons for that. Again, if some of your children are more responsible than others about money, 
you might want to customize how money is left. But also understand that not all assets are the same. So if I have the choice between inheriting a house versus an IRA, an individual retirement account, and they're of the same value, me personally, I'll take the house. And the reason for that is because I can turn around, sell the house, and pay absolutely zero tax on it. I'll have to service the home until I sell it. I'll have to pay some property taxes before I sell it. But it won't be nearly as much as the tax that I'll probably have to pay if I were to liquidate that IRA. Now, eventually you have to liquidate it because if you're going to inherit it from someone who's not a spouse, you have no choice. But we're talking some serious tax here because that gets added to your normal income tax. So that can be an issue. Sometimes it's better to leave one asset to one person or one organization than it is another. But just understand that if you thought I'll leave this child the house, I'll leave this child the IRA, and they're about the same value and they're going to be equally happy, no, no, they probably will not. You may actually want to leave more money to whom you are leaving the IRA simply because they are not going to net out the same amount of money. That IRA money has yet to be taxed in most cases. So just understand that not all assets are the same. Also, have the discussion with your kids to see if there are any particular assets that they would like to have. Very often, some children have a preference for one thing versus the other, uh, particularly if we're talking about real estate, personal belongings, etc. Have that discussion with your kids. Now, if you're a client of ours, I often encourage that you let us be a part of this discussion with your family. Uh, we call it a generations meeting. And we actually have a family meeting where we get together with everybody and we discuss all of these matters. So if that's something you're a little uncomfortable at doing as far as having that discussion, we'd be more than happy to be a part of that. Now, of course, if you're not a client of ours, I would recommend that you, if you need advice on that, you should certainly seek it out. Or if you prefer, if you want to give me a call, be more than happy to discuss it with you. My number, you can reach me anytime, 513-563-PLAN. That's 513-563-7526. Or you can go to Dan Capril at matsonandcapril.com. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Today's question of the week comes from Sue, who lives in Anderson. And she writes, looking at my portfolio, I've noticed that my bond account is actually losing money. Should I be worried? Should I get out of bonds? Okay, so that's a great question because usually when we are in bonds or some type of fixed income, we just assume that it can't go down in value, but that's not true. I don't want to give you a long discussion of how bond prices work, but I'll just say this. If you have a bond that's paying 4%, and suddenly new bonds are out there, same type of bond offering, say, 5%, no one's going to be too excited about buying your bond at 4 when they can go buy a new one at 5 And as a result, the value of your bond has declined on paper. But understand that as long as you hang on to that bond, you will actually come out just fine. You'll still get your interest, and you'll get your principal back. But that value that you show as a slightly negative value just means if you wanted to sell it at this point in time. So right now we are going through a period where interest rates are tweaking up a little bit. And as a result, 
bonds and some of the bond funds that were previously issued are looking worse. They're down a little bit. I don't think you should panic at all, especially if your portfolio is made up of many bonds. This is part of the game. We have to remember that living in the moment is great in some things, but investing is long term. And these little moments will occur. Now, if you are in long term bonds or you have what we like to call high yield or junk bonds in your portfolio, that is strategy that you might want to rethink simply because they will be more volatile. Short term bonds tend to be less. Certainly bonds of high investment quality tend to be less volatile. I always tell people, look, if you want volatility, buy stocks. If you want to minimize volatility, don't just buy any kind of bond. Buy short-term government and corporate bonds of high investment grade. Now, whether you should abandon them or not, I can't give you that answer specifically. All I want to do, though, is emphasize that the purpose of those bonds is kind of like a pitcher on a baseball team. So living in Cincinnati, we play real baseball here. You know, the, the batter actually comes up to hit. His job is not to get hits. It's great when he does. I mean, it's a bonus. But really, the purpose of his job is to get the other team out. And that's the purpose of the bonds. The bonds are there to temper the volatility that the stocks will bring you at times. Now, if we knew in advance when stocks were going to perform, we would need bonds. But that's the point. We don't know. So depending on your situation, depending on what your needs are for your portfolio, et cetera, even if they're producing low rates of return or even slightly negative rates of return, I would think twice before completely eliminating fixed income or bonds from your portfolio. That's a question I expect to get a lot in the coming months ahead, but that's the answer. And um, I'll be telling it just like that, especially to my clients as we go forward. But thank you, Sue, that was a great question. So as we do every week on this show, I'm going to give you some homework. Yes, it's very important that we understand that our estate plan is largely addressing a moment in time. From the time we draw it up, what we're saying is, if something happened to me today, this is how I'd want affairs to be handled. But as we get older, those moments in time, obviously, they're gone. So right now at age 55, it's perfectly appropriate for me to give full control and everything to my wife. But when I'm 85, that may not be the case. I may outlive her. She may not be really up to handling things like the financial power of attorney or the medical power of attorney. These may be issues that are left better for my son to address. We'll just have to wait and see. But that's what I want to drive home to you. If you don't have a backup power of attorney in your plan, you need to do that. And you may also need to think about replacing who your powers of attorney are so that they are more appropriate. So here is your exercise. Your exercise, quite simple, is go look up who it is. Figure out if something happened to you, who would be calling the shots. I'm not assuming you're dead. I'm assuming you're incapacitated. And if that person was incapacitated, who would be calling the shots? And how difficult would it be to activate these powers of attorney. If you don't know the answers to those questions, you need to find out. Now, I've also provided with you a download this week on some very useful estate planning information that'll help you to determine the adequacy of your plan. So, once again, I want to emphasize personal finance not nearly as complicated as we make it out to be. I want to thank you for listening to this week's show. 
If you should want to reach out at any point in time, if you have questions, please, 513-563-PLAN is my number. Or you can email me, dan at matsonandcapril.com. Until next time, this is Dan Capril. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for tuning in to Solving the Financial Puzzle. If you want to find out more about Dan Capril or about today's topic, visit matsonandcapril.com. And be sure to join us for the next edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle. Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Dan Capril is an investment advisor representative of MPM Wealth Advisors and Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC. Both firms are registered investment advisors. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a private policy statement for either firm, call 800-353-7923.